It's time for the Hammer Down Show with Jared Jesselitis. Oh, yes. And what was that beginning, middle, and end part again? Streaming online at 1017thehammer.com. All right, sounds good. Let's do this. Ball, I will spend probably no real time talking about LeBron because you're tired of that. The only thing I will get into with that, I can't believe they stopped the game. That blew my mind. What are we doing? Can't do this afterwards? Kareem looked miserable, by the way. I don't think that dude was having any kind of fun. It was just, it was a bizarre night. Nationals covering for you. Go right ahead. We're talking local stuff here. We're talking your high schools. We're talking Big Ten. Let's get started with the need to know news. Here's your need to know news. All right, let's start with a little hey uh, football news here. I, I swear we keep on adding this football staff, and I'm okay with that. Goldenblack.com has learned that Chris uh, Petrelli will be hired as special teams analyst. Apparently he starts on Monday. Enjoy the weekend, man. He was an outside linebacker slash special teams coach the last two years at North Texas. He played football at Carroll College in Helena, Montana. Is it Helena or Helena? Is it one of those regional things? Anyway, uh, prior to becoming a coach, uh, he served in the U.S. military as a member of the uh, 82nd Airborne. What's up? I like that background. Little toughness. Let's go. Let's take a look at Big Ten basketball last night. Trace Jackson Davis crossed the 2,000-point mark for Indiana last night as they beat Rutgers 66-60. He finished with an impressive 20-18. Michigan State 63-58 over Maryland in Breslin last night. With those results, Purdue now holds. A three-game lead in the Big Ten with seven left for them to play. So four is the number right now. The number is four. Indiana Rutgers are the two teams that sit three games back. Northwestern, Illinois, Iowa, and Michigan, all three and a half back. They have eight games left to play. And uh, Michigan in action here later on this evening. They'll host Nebraska. 11.5 point home favorites uh, are the Wolverines. Penn State, a four-point favorite at home against Wisconsin. Interesting enough, those teams are 1-2 in the Big Ten in three-pointers made per game. They're also the bottom two rebounding teams in the Big Ten. That'll be fun. Bulls with a 15-point loss in Memphis last night, 104-89. Vooch getting Zach Eady on with 28 points and 17 rebounds. Levine had 24 points. What are you going to do? Pacers tonight in Miami, 7-point road dogs 
are the uh, blue and gold. And then the uh, Bulls won't play again until tomorrow when they go to Brooklyn and taking on the Nets. Meanwhile, the Blackhawks get a point, but it not really matter right now. They drop uh, a game at home in OT to the Ducks, 3-2. Dickinson and Seth Jones with the scores. Hawks get to host the Coyotes on Friday night. That'll be another favorable matchup for them. Hawks beat them 2-0 in Chicago back at the beginning of January. And the only two meetings between the two franchises this season. Well, uh, Jim Ursay took to Twitter. He wanted to uh, let you all know how this head coaching search. Big fan of the show, obviously, because he keeps on hearing me kind of mocking the search. Quoteth the owner. We said as an organization, the coaching search would be a open-minded and thorough process. And the final decision would be strictly based on what is best for the franchise's success and best for our fans of Colts Nation. Final decision coming in days, not hours. Meanwhile, Stephen Holder of ESPN had a direct quote from Chris Ballard that he posted to Twitter yesterday saying, quote, be patient and take your time and make sure we have a thorough interview with everybody, consistent and thorough. I don't care if it takes to mid-February to hire a head coach. It's about getting it right. Would agree with that, but you're doing a third round of interviews. How many thorough interviews do you need with people? It's just, it's all very weird. But there you go. That is today's Need to Know News. Good night for us over on the uh, old DraftKings Sportsbook app. We hit the little parlay we put together with the two uh, with the two games there, the under and uh, IU covering, so we were good to go there. Let's get back after it again tonight. First off, our friends from DraftKings. They got something going on here for you all this week. I just want to remind you, 6 to 9 p.m., special happy hours here, DraftKings Sportsbook app. They will be boosting a uh, prop bet for you. Yesterday it was uh, uh, boosting to plus 150, which team to score first. So there you go. Hopefully you took advantage of that. What they'll do tonight, I do not know, but you'll have to wait and find out. In the meantime, still running the Get Up 10, and you win any game in the NBA tonight. I continually remind you, Please look for a team with plus money to do that. And uh, the Pacers tonight at plus 225 against Miami on the road. You are wasting your promo if you are using this on a minus money line team. Just telling you that. Mavericks are plus 270 against the Clippers. I'm assuming Luka is still out tonight. I haven't seen if they've officially ruled him out. But even if he was close, that would be fantastic for you to be able to pick that up there because that's a that would be a prime candidate. He's set to join the re, the team Wednesday, but will not play against the Clippers. So just go and scratch that off. I don't know if I touch Minnesota at Utah. That's not really there. Not, no, not taking the Rockets. Not taking the Spurs in Toronto. 76ers and some plus money in Boston. Plus 155 is not a bad option. I don't hate the Pacers at plus 225 for you. I don't know if I mess with the Pistons tonight against Cleveland. Charlotte and Washington, eh. But again, check those out. Uh, The NBA is also going to give you a no-sweat same-game parlay on DraftKings here. 
uh, they'll give it to you. So uh, make sure you take advantage of that. Tomorrow is the Waste Management Open kicking off in Phoenix. Get a plus 250 odd surge on any golfer to win. Uh, there is an ex- ever, there's a uh, Super Bowl same-game parlay boost for you, up to 100% for each additional leg that you add. More stuff for Phoenix. Make the cut parlay boost. They got one put together for you. Uh, a hole-in-one on 16. Get a plus 300 odds boost on that. I mean, there is just so much stuff going. So make sure you take advantage. They've also got the big square. I need to enter the big squares. I keep on forgetting to do that. Got to get in on that. All right, so let's take a look at uh, what to hit tonight. And, uh, you know, we like to keep it in the Big Ten here. I mean, that's what we know, right? That's what we love. So what are we doing here? I'll say this. Michigan and Nebraska is... 11's a lot. I don't know that I love Michigan to cover 11 at home. I just... Tamanaga is just so darn good when he gets hot. I think Nebraska's getting a little bit better, too. I'm not wholly sold on Michigan. I think they win. I just don't... I don't like the spot. I just don't. If, if you're looking for something from me, my gut tells me that I would take the, the Nebraska and the points. I don't like it. That's a gut play. I'm not in on it. I much, much rather get in on this Wisconsin and Penn State game. And, you know, four points in, in uh, Bryce Jordan is interesting. Wisconsin plays great defense, though. Penn State can hit threes. The over-under is 126 in this one, and that's about what they hit in the first meeting at Wisconsin. I feel like this is too low, and that's what I'm going to target today. I'm going to go with the over in Wisconsin and Penn State. Wisconsin opponents are shooting 50% inside the arc and 32.8% outside of it, which is weird because you assume that this is a good defensive team. I'm looking at Jalen Pickett tonight. He's shooting 56% from two-point range, had 19 in the last meeting, was the leading scorer uh, for Penn State in that one. And the nice thing here is um, you can get him at over 17 and a half. Crowell, I think, is going to have a lot of room, the big guy, the seven-footer. And we know that Penn State does not deal well with them. He's got an over-under marked at 11.5, had 21 against him in the last meeting. By the way, both those players uh, had double-doubles. You can get Jalen Pickett over 8.5 rebounds in plus money. Crawl over 6.5 rebounds at minus 115. You got to with that one. Holy smokes, I didn't realize it was that low. So basic here, I'm key, I'm going to go with the over, but I am going to go ahead and put together a same game parlay that is definitely going to include crawl over the six and a half. Do I feel okay enough to let uh, Jalen Pickett go over six and a half rebounds? Um, or I'm sorry, over uh, eight and a half rebounds. That's a lot. He averages about eight per game. 
He's hit eight twice. I'm sorry, three times in his last five games. Nebraska Rutgers in Michigan. Came up one short against uh, Nebraska the second game. But he looks like he's been pretty darn solid at home uh, on the rebounding tilt here. Eight against Michigan, 13 against Nebraska. Only had five against Indiana, nine against Purdue. Seven against Iowa, so he's right there on that line. Crawl's the best play right here, I think, at the six and a half. And I'm definitely going to be putting on something on that here tonight as well. That just seems far too low for a guy who had a double-double last time against a Penn State team that we know does not does not rebound well. And the only thing that's going to hinder Crawl's numbers here in this would be is everybody's just knocking down every shot. He has covered six and a half in four of his last five. Yeah, I'm in on that. Those are the plays tonight with my friends from DraftKings. I'll take the Penn State over, and I love the crawl over six and a half. That's that's fantastic. That's a fantastic number for us. We're going to take a break. Don't go anywhere. We're going to come right back, and uh, we've got Rush McCauley, Harrison girls basketball coach. They're off to a regional for the first time since Whitney Houston was on the top of the charts. Boy, uh, we'll talk about that with him. That's coming up next. You're listening to the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer. 1017. Welcome back to the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer and 1017TheHammer.com. We're over to the Blue Fox Eating Cooling Hammerhead Hotline, and we're going to bring in Coach Rush McCauley of your Harrison Raiders girls basketball squad, sectional winners for the first time. I couldn't believe this, Coach. 1986. That I mean, it's been a minute. I had to go back and look this up here. The number one movie uh, that weekend in 1986, Down and Out in Beverly Hills. I know you're a big Nick Nolte guy. And the number one song of the country, Whitney Houston, How Will I Know. Uh, it's safe to say some things have changed since then, hasn't it? Uh, some things have changed. Uh, how, how Will I Know? That's a good song, though. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> 1986 been a while. Uh, we won one in '84 too, and both of those teams uh, actually went on one regional and went to the semi-state at Jeff both years. So those are the only two. Um, obviously, none of our kids, uh, you know, are around. In fact, most of our, our our coaching staff. I think there's only two of us that were alive uh, in '86. <laughs> so uh, you know, it, it's been a while. But uh, you know, the the people that have been around Harrison for quite a bit. Uh, you know, it's exciting for them because, you know, they've they've seen uh, a lot of bad breaks over the years. And, uh, you know, we're, we feel very lucky to have, you know, won one and, you know, brought it back to the school. Well, and, too, that just goes to show you just how hard it can be to to win one of these things. I think, you know, the, uh, the casual fans all think that, oh, yeah, I should be able to do that every once in a while. Uh, people that may have peaked in high school that never won one think that it's easy as well, too. But really... I, this is not an easy thing to do uh, to go out there and, and win a sectional title, but uh, you guys found your way through this one, uh, beating uh, Kokomo and then uh, beating Logansport. So, uh, kind of go back here uh, to the uh, start of the tournament and and uh, just talk about your team a little bit here. What what were they able to do so well? What were some of the factors in you winning those games to uh, be able to hoist that uh, title? Well, anytime you hold, you know, Kokomo to 31 points and Logan to 29, you feel like you got a good shot of winning the game. Uh, and our defense really didn't let either team get into any kind of flow. 
either night. Um, you know, we, we got a good start offensively against Kokomo. I, I think we jumped on them 10-2, and, you know, that kind of put Kokomo behind the eight ball. Um, offensively, we weren't as good uh, against Logan, uh, but we never trailed either. Uh, and a lot of that was because of our defense, you know, and once we finally got some shots to fall and, and got some easy buckets, you know, we, you know, uh, I think it was seven or eight at halftime became 20 pretty quickly in the third quarter. And, uh, you know, you know, our, our defense carried us through the sectional basically. We're talking with coach Rush McCauley here on the, uh, Hammerhead hotline, Harrison Raiders girls basketball coach. Uh, you guys got off to a great start this season, I thought. There, uh, got yourself into a final there for the uh, the the health, the health hoops classic, and you know that's a tough Twin Lakes team. I know uh, they got the better of you twice there. Uh, seemed like you kind of steadied yourselves, and then you come out of the Christmas break, you get into January, um, and there's that four game losing streak there. You know, Pike, but then Zionsville, University, of Valpo are all. Oh geez, what I mean? Did any of those teams lose more than four games? I think uh, this year. No. I, that, that's a tough test right there, and I, I feel like when you go through a little skid like that, sometimes, especially coming out of the break, there, there could be a tendency to get down on yourselves a little bit uh, and, and kind of think, well, maybe, maybe the ride's over here. But you guys really righted that ship in the middle part of January. Talk about coming out of that uh, that really hellish three game uh, stretch there with Zionsville University and Valpo. Uh, what was that like coming out of there, and, and how did your girls able to stay mentally tough to be able to uh, get back into the win column there through most of January? Well, that that stretch wasn't supposed to be there uh, because usually university is not on the schedule. That that Friday game where university was played is supposed to be Arsenal Tech as a conference game. Uh, but with Arsenal Tech leaving the NCC, they elected not to play either us or McCutcheon. Uh, and actually never notified us, you know, you know, it was something we kind of caught by dumb luck on the internet. Uh, so we added university over Christmas break, um, you know, and it, you know, went from, you know, a number two ranked Zionsville team on Wednesday and, you know, what would have been, you know, a, a very below average Arsenal tech team on Friday is kind of a breather in between Zionsville and Valpo. Now all of a sudden you got, you know, a, a top 10 two a team, uh, that had, you know, quite a bit of talent in university coming in. And, and we didn't play very well in that stretch. But uh, all in all, you know, our, our schedule has prepared us. I mean, you know, we've beefed up our, our non-conference schedule with Valpo, who's a top, you know, 15 team. And, you know, Twin Lakes, you know, has been on the schedule for a while. But, you know, playing them twice, and they're a top 10 team. You know, playing Zionsville and Noblesville and, you know, I mean, we, we feel like, you know, even though we lost those four games, uh, you know, we did some good things in those games. Uh, you know, we just did, you know, weren't able to win them. Uh, but, you know, looking back on it, you know, playing them as opposed to playing, you know, some, you know, teams that, you know, you probably could have got wins against, you know, you know, losing those games to good competition actually made us better in the long run. We're talking with uh, Rush McCauley here on the Hammerhead Hotline set for the regional this weekend. You guys will take on. Uh, Fort Wayne Snyder in, in that first game. Um, this is like we talked about here at the top here. This is a little bit of uncharted territory uh, when it comes to this program uh, to, to get back into a regional the way that's set up and having to win those two games. Um, you guys just don't have the uh, experience into in one of those weekends. So, uh, how are you guys approaching this here? Um, how are you guys preparing for uh, the, hopefully, let's keep our fingers crossed, the possibility of playing uh, two games this weekend? Well, actually, they changed the regional format this year, so it's only a one-game regional. Um, 
there are there are two games at Marion. The the four o'clock game is Fishers against Homestead, which that is a regional championship game. And then we're at seven against Snyder, and that is a regional championship game. So we nobody will play a second game. Uh, and then the semi state, the semi state and the regional basically flip flop formats. It's That's a one right. game regional, and it's now a two game semi state. Uh, so, I mean, you know, that's good. I, I like it in the, in the regard that we can focus solely on Snyder all week. And, and I'm sure they're saying the same thing. Um, you know, but, you know, that's advantageous, you know, not having to, you know, make all the plans of what if, you know, what do you do if you win this? You know, what, what do you do between games? You know, how do you prepare for the second opponent? You know, you, you can be laser focused on, uh, you know, one thing in one game and, you know, put everything into that. And then if you're lucky enough to uh, to get that win uh, on Saturday night, uh, you, you kind of just reset the script, uh, you know, come Monday morning and do it again for next week, only, you know, the possibility of playing two games in the semi-state. I'm sure you've had a chance to maybe look at some tape on the uh, Panthers here. At least I hope you have a 20-4 and four squad uh, up there in Fort Wayne. Of course, they're playing all the big Fort Wayne schools as well, so you know they're uh, – they're well traveled here. They're uh, they're battle tested. Uh, wh- what do you see with them, or, or what do you know about them, and what kind of you know issues will they present you guys this weekend? Uh, they're very young. They've only got one senior on the roster who really does not play very much. Um, got two junior guards uh, that are very good. They're very quick. They, they kind of remind me of that typical you know city team or that region team that you know wants to get out pressure you. Uh, but if you can handle their pressure, um, you know, in the half court, you can, you know, do some things to attack them because they are trying to get out, uh, you know, and pressure the perimeter so much. So, I mean, that, that's that been something we've, you know, focused on this week is being able to handle things out front, handle that chaos. And then and if you can get to, you know, kind of the soft underbelly, you know, where you're able to get to the paint, uh, you know, we've told Cam Moore, you know, hey, you know, you're going to get solo coverage down here and you're probably going to have as much space as you've had all year because uh, they're not going to double. They're not going to have people on the help side, you know, that most people send two and three uh, to try and keep it out of her hands. And, you know, and that'll also up, open up some driving lanes for, you know, Riley Flynn and Riley Whitlock. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can, you know, handle that pressure. And, you know, we, we kind of tell the kids, you know, hey, we like to press all the time. We're kind of used to, you know, people getting out and getting after us, you know, because we do it to ourselves in practice. Uh, you know, it shouldn't be, you know, something all that new. You know, just the environment's going to be different, and we're going to have to adjust to that and be ready to play. Before we let you go here, you're in uh, your fifth season here at Harrison, and you've had some really, really good teams. I know most people probably point to the 2019-2020 squad where you, you had over uh, 20 wins there, but tell me what's different about this squad that uh, has made them successful compared to uh, your uh, other previous teams here at Harrison? Uh, I mean, I think the biggest thing, you know, in, in being able to win the sectional is who's in the sectional. Uh, you know, the first squad, you know, actually made it to, it have been the 18-19 team, made it to the sectional final um, against Zionsville. We had actually beaten Zionsville during the regular season. Um, and we were just we were happy to be there. It was the first time that, you know, a Harrison team had been in the sectional final in a long time, and we weren't ready for that moment uh, that night against a very good Zionsville team. Um, you know, then the next couple of years, you know, we had Northwestern, you know, when they had, you know, two Big Ten players on the roster, 
uh, you know, weren't able to get it done against them. McCutcheon got us in the sectional final one year. Um, you know, and this year, you know, there's no Northwestern, there's no Zionsville, you know, it was kind of a, a mini NCC tournament. And, uh, you know, obviously we, we won the NCC, so we were pretty confident going in and we felt like we got a good draw. Um, you know, we, we were able to prepare for what we felt like the, were the second, third best teams in, in the sectional in Kokomo and uh, McCutcheon, uh, you know, and they were going to have to go toe-to-toe with each other. So, you know, one of those, you know, got knocked out early. Uh, but, you know, the, the draw and who's in it, you know, played our favor. And, uh, you know, you need luck, in, you know, when it comes to the tournament. And, you know, fortunately, we got the right draw and things bounced our way. Well, I hope it continues to bounce your way here, Coach uh, Rush McCauley. Harrison Raiders going to take on Fort Wayne Snyder this weekend for the uh, regional title. We'll uh, be keeping an eye on that and cheering them on. Hey, uh, Coach, it's always great talking a little bit of hoops with you. Best of luck. Give them hell on Saturday, all right? Okay. Again. I'm so mad I totally forgot. I, I knew that rule about the regional changing with a semi-state. Like, I still remember them talking about that. And for some reason, I thought that didn't kick in until next year. I'm just looking at the tournament bracket thinking they've got those two. And it's just a one now. So now they play, you know, for the longest time, it was, you know, you got through your sectional. Regional was two games. Semi-state was one. State was one. Not anymore. They flipped it. Oh, well, Jared. Uh, But, hey, thank you to Coach uh, for being on there. Uh, We'll get the whole thing posted up here. You'll be able to go back and and take a listen to it, too. I know they're not the only team going, but uh, um, still huge for them to be able to do that uh, and finally break through. Like Coach said, you know, they've got some bad breaks in that sectional tournament at times and uh, haven't been able to close or something just happens and it just – it doesn't work out. They finally do that. Very happy for that community and uh, the great players that come before them that uh, were unable to, you know, feel what that's like. I-, I hope they win that region this weekend. Same thing with Central Catholic. Good luck to those ladies as well. Uh, love high school basketball, man. Love high school basketball this time of year. All right, speaking of basketball, did IU fans just bully Paul McCahey of Rutgers off of Twitter? I'm going to preface this with before IU fans get mad at me. I'm not saying they did anything malicious. I said the word bully. But I'm not actually accusing them doing anything malicious. If you did not watch the game last night, there was an instance that was caught pretty well on TV where Mulcahy, kind of towards an end of a play here, seemingly... Uh, tries to trip Trace Jackson Davis ever so slightly. McConnell takes a shot, goes off the rim. Trace gathers the rebound. There's a foul off of the rebound, and Trace starts dribbling up the court after the whistle, and he kind of kicked the foot out here. It don't look good. I've watched it several times here. I I don't know how you explain away what Mulcahy did. Whether or not the league takes any kind of look at that, I don't know. I, I even looks like Trace lost a shoe on this. I didn't see it live. I just saw the replay of it this morning. So Mulcahy's Twitter account is actually gone. He has deleted his Twitter. Which makes you wonder a little bit. And he's a guy that's got a little bit of 
history here, right? You know, they got a six-game win streak that got snapped against IU last night. But if you remember last season, they played this game in Assembly Hall, and towards the end, it's a uh, it's a one-bucket game. Xavier Johnson gets into it with him right in front of the Rutgers bench. They were kind of pushing and shoving, kind of pushed him into the bench, and Mulcahy kind of reacted where Indiana fans thought he threw like a left hook at Xavier. Xavier got teed for that, if I remember correctly. So uh, there's a little bit of a history there. Maybe there's a little bit of hatred going on. I hate to see that. You know, a lot of people bag on Grayson Allen and his time at Duke, and for legitimate reasons. I mean, he made a lot of unsafe movements there that looked intentional to, to hurt other people. I just I can't explain this away. I don't know what an appropriate punishment should be for doing something like this if the Big Ten were to step in, which I don't anticipate them doing. I'd be surprised. But it happens rather quickly. You know, it's right in front of an official. I don't know that they went to the monitor to take a look at that or anything like that, but it definitely looked bad. But IU fans getting after him, and he's deleted his Twitter account. I don't like it regardless of the situation of fans tweeting at players in in a negative regard. Because I think there's a lot of fans that can get very out of hand with it. So a blanket policy. I don't I don't like tagging them and stuff like that. I if you want to go on the internet and say Paul McGahee tried to trip Trace Jackson Davis, scumbag move. Hey, that's your prerogative. Go right ahead. I don't think you should need to be tagging him and all that. I think you just need to be a little bit better than that. That that that's just me. But the kid is completely off Twitter now after this, and I probably wouldn't want to be bugged if I'm I'm looking at the video. I probably wouldn't want to be bugged about this. I'd probably be pretty embarrassed by it. So we'll see if he gets asked about it this week. I don't even know when the when is the next Rutgers game. They played IU last night. Aren't they in Illinois or something this week, I think? Yeah, it is at Illinois on Saturday. We'll see how that goes. We'll see if Michael wants to do anything about it. But I doubt it. I doubt it. But look, Indiana did you a favor last night, Purdue fans. It's now three-game lead here with seven to go. So if you're Purdue, you're looking for four wins. Four wins out of the last seven. Get you the Big Ten title. Guaranteed. You may not need that many. You got four home games. You win those. You're good. You got three road games. Northwestern, you should feel great about. Um, you know, Wisconsin, I feel pretty good about. Maryland, I think, will be a dogfight. That'll be tough. And you got Iowa at home uh, tomorrow. Still got Indiana coming into town, and then you got Illinois at the end of the season here. So you you really got to take a look at who, and it's hard to rule out a couple of teams right now. Obviously, Indiana's still within striking distance, and they have a better chance than Rutgers does because they still get to play Purdue again. 
You know, Rutgers will sit at three. Northwestern has to play an extra game. Illinois has to play an extra game. Uh, Iowa has to play an extra game to get within that three. And uh, Michigan has to play an extra game to get within that three. You like Michigan to be able to do that tonight against Nebraska? Iowa's going to, you know, if Iowa doesn't win tomorrow, that eliminates them. That's another team you can cut. Uh, the Illini and Rutgers could easily take each other out of the running here over the weekend. So that leaves you Indiana, Northwestern, uh, and Illinois going forward. Who would be, you know, the real threats for you in terms of who can sneak up there still and cause you problems? If you're looking at Illinois' schedule here, they still got a makeup game against Minnesota. In fact, they have two against Minnesota, which does not help you. They do play Rutgers. That is at home. That's probably not helping you, although, you know, it's, that's a nail in the coffin of Rutgers, or, and you'd be fine with that. At Penn State could be a game that does it for you, but they still have a trip to Assembly Hall. Again, Indiana could be helping you out. At Ohio State. But you're asking the Illini to win. Uh, how many games do they have to win? Purdue has to lose, what, like, you give them two? It's it, it's really hard to decipher here where you got to get to. But it'd be a whole lot easier if most of these teams would just continue to beat up on each other and it just lowers Purdue's magic number. Northwestern, look at their remaining schedule. They do have the game against Purdue. So, essentially, Purdue can eliminate them. They get the Hoosiers at home. They'll be at Value City uh, tomorrow night. Take on Ohio State. They still have to go to Illinois. They still have to go to Rutgers. I don't know if they're a legitimate challenger. And then it just comes down to the Hoosiers. And it may come down to that game on the 25th, whether or not they win the Big Ten title. They can keep their hopes alive. So, I think you like the Hoosiers at Michigan this weekend. I think you'll like them, uh, like them next week up at Northwestern. They'll host Illinois. It'll be a tough one up at Breslin. They're back here at Mackey, and then they finish up with Iowa at home and Michigan at home. This may essentially be a two-dog race. And Indiana may be the team that you just got to make sure you stay in front of. I just you can take care of Iowa, take them out. Now, if you lose tomorrow to Iowa, that opens up a lot of more possibilities. A lot more possibilities. So I think Michigan gets in there, but I'm still not high on Michigan. I mean, they'll win the night and they'll make it three games. I don't love them, but they still gotta go to Piscataway. They still gotta go to Assembly Hall. They still gotta go to Champaign. They really have two against Indiana. They still have to host Michigan State. I don't like their schedule. I think it honestly comes down to you just need to make sure you outpace Indiana. And it may be a, uh, and, and I love this. I talked about this on the uh, basketball show this week. My pick was the 25th, the, the, the trophy in the house. And what better way to win another Big Ten title than to whoop up on your rival, in-state rival, 
and then celebrate on your home court. Very much a possibility on that day. Fingers crossed. I'd like that. We're going to take one more break. We'll come back. The things we missed. And we wrap up the Hammer Down Show next on 101. This is the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer and 1017thehammer.com. I'm Jared Jessalitis. Uh, let's go ahead and jump into the things that we may have missed. Uh, first off, how about some happy happies here? Congratulations to uh, David Blau on Twitter today uh, announcing uh, him and his wife uh, expecting, uh, expecting a little one. Congratulations. So can't wait to meet our little one this summer for you guys, man. Good for you guys. That's awesome. Now, I may have missed an earlier uh, an earlier announcement on that. I mean, if it's coming up in the summer, they've uh, not mentioned that as far as I can tell, but uh, whatever. Congratulations there. That's, uh, that's some awesome stuff. Louisville uh, basketball coach Jeff Walls uh, had, a, had a comment in his post-game and some people were gravitating to the idea, and I think it was just, it's, it's dumb. Like a lot of people, he would like these officials to be held more accountable in, in, in postgame. You know, you really can't say much about them without getting fined and things of that nature. But he would like for them to start doing press conferences. He's tired of being the only one that has to uh, answer for things. He would like them to come out and answer for things. And I 100% cannot think of a worse idea than an official's press conference. What are you going to ask? Are you going to critique? Were we going to get videos going here? Amateur videos going down? Critiquing positioning? Where were your eyes? And what did you see on that uh, third foul there at uh, uh, on uh, on Purdue there? Right around the 10-minute mark, yeah. Uh, you know uh, what? 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 Why did you call that one, but not like the one at the seven-minute mark? Like it, it's to get them to explain everything's a going to be just it, it would be terrible. B now we're influencing officials indirectly. Now I get it. You want some more accountability? They make mistakes. They're human. I I, I tend to cut them a little bit of slack. I do. There are some instances where I look at the numbers and I think. Uh, okay, you know we've talked about Courtney Green being official for uh, Purdue games and Purdue being one eighteen and one against the spread. I'm not accusing him of anything. I'm just saying that's a that's a mathematical fact right there that just seems odd. But if you started doing this in every game, uh, my worry here now becomes is officials that don't want to make certain calls or are afraid to make a call because they don't want to have to explain things later. Now, we also live in a time, too, with a lot of these sports, and you get it during the Super Bowl, is there is, a, there is an in-house official that uh, knows all the rules, talking about what is happening. That's what I love about the NFL is they'll get Pereira out there, and he'll explain exactly what's going on, what, the, you know, what they're looking at, what they're looking for, why they make this call, why the rule is the way it is. We don't get that in basketball. And oftentimes, analysts don't really know what the rule is. But to have them kind of come out and have to explain certain things every time and, and be asked about these and just in the nitpicking, 
only to go, well, you know, hey, uh, last week you called this one, and, uh, you know, that one looked rougher than this. With all the benefit of the instant replay, it's so easy to pick apart the jobs that those people do. And so if they don't already get enough heat as it is, it would only create even more. And I know somebody's listening right now, because that's the whole point. We, we want the accountability. They should have to answer when they make mistakes. And I, and I get that, but at the same time, in, in, a, in a society where we make mountains out of molehills left and right, how long is it going to be before this is just explain every call that you made and why? Because that's what it'll turn into, and it'll become even harder to get quality officials because it's just going to open them up to more beratement. It's already a tough enough job as it is. I can't imagine going out there in front of a, a sold-out Mackie crowd being as loud as it is and having to make a call that you know fans are going to absolutely hate. That's tough. You ever been booed at by you know 17,000-plus? 25,000-plus in some of these arenas? It's not easy. It's a terrible idea. I don't like it. I just... It would be great to say, hey, why did we go with... Why, why is this a jump ball here, Right? We'd all like more accountability. I just, I, that's not the way to go about it. I would much rather have something set up to where you have an actual seasoned official, perhaps retired, that works at the office, that the league office that literally reviews all this stuff, has performance reviews, walks through things. These guys do go through a lot of training and a lot of clinics. They spend a lot of time trying to educate uh, regular Joes like you and I that, uh, volunteer to be officials that uh, try to do it at, at the high school level and middle school level and put a lot of effort in that stuff to have them come out and try to be media savvy like that's there's nobody looking out for them at least when these coaches go up there's players go out there there's an SID there's reps that are looking out for them to make sure they don't get there's nobody looking out for those officials that would be a terrible idea absolutely terrible that's going to do it for the show today. Big thanks to Coach Rush McCauley for being on with us. I do appreciate that. Uh, the uh, show will be posted in its entirety on our uh, Facebook page, our Twitter page as well. Give us a follow on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Uh, we're basically everywhere you can find a podcast. Uh, we are out there. So make sure you take a listen and give us a subscribe. We appreciate it. We're coming back tomorrow. We'll get you prepared for that game, Purdue and Iowa tomorrow in Mackey Arena. See if Purdue can extend its lead in the Big Ten and eliminate uh, another team from contention of a share of the title. That's coming up here tomorrow on the Hammer Down Show, 1017 The Hammer and 1017 The Hammer.